Welcome to the podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherborne. No matter who you are, who you love, we welcome you into our community of religious seekers. Please join us for our Sunday worship services each week at 10.30 a.m. More information can be found on our website at uuac.org or visit our Facebook page at Sherborne Unitarian Universalist. Enjoy the sermon. Friends, here is our world. Week after week, beautiful and terrible things continue to happen. And we ask ourselves and one another to keep our hearts tender and our words true and our eyes soft. We know there is no answer but to love one another. We bear witness against destruction. We gather in community to practice being the person that we are trying to be. We cannot do everything, but we can do something. So as Leonard Cohen reminds us, we can ring the bells that still can ring We can forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. Say with me, that is how the light gets in. So I'm very aware I wrote this, uh, worked on this sermon yesterday, and of course I, you know, knew um, that I had to tell you about uh, our friend uh, Judd. And um, sometimes I feel like I have this information, right, and then I, I've had some time to work on it, right? And I just give it to you. I share it, and then it sort of like sits there, and this is like this really heavy thing. You feel that? Yeah. Yeah. What did India say? India said, you know, sometimes we don't know, and that's okay. It doesn't feel okay. But that's the feeling, whether it's about uh, somebody we love that we're worried about, um, or ourselves. And that's kind of what our theme is for the month. So it's sort of appropriate, unfortunately, fortunately, that we have this theme of ambiguity, which is right here. Catherine McHugh of the Worship Associates, they, they worked on it, and it's beautiful. And you can take a copy in the back. Um, Dara printed some off. When I saw the theme for, I saw the theme in February, um, I remembered what it was. It was still during Omicron, and I was like, I had a mini tantrum, actually, when I saw the theme. <laughs> I'm like, who, who thought this was a good idea to think about this in springtime? Because, like, I just want to, um, Jenny wrote the thing about crocuses, like, I just want to lay back in my brown yard and just, like, look at the grass that won't come and, and eventually and, and just like lay there in the sunlight. And I just want to think about spring. I mean, not, and it's not just the weather. It's the season and the season of spring for me, maybe for you, is about optimism, right? It's about hope. It's about light and possibility. And for years now, this is hard to, I can't even believe this. For years we have had our our anticipation, um, not just moderated, but like, like what? Like eviscerated, kind of feels like. 
There's just so much uncertainty. There's so much ambiguity. Like, I don't want to think about ambiguity. I just want to, like, pet my dog or something. The kids are so wise. I just talk, I listen, I try not to think about it. That's right. But, but then this happened. One of you um, texted me to say, how easy, last Sunday, how easy it had been to pledge that day. And it is, by the way, just a little detour here. You can just go on the email. Jenny's doing it right now during my sermon. It's amazing. <laughs> I mean, Kevin did steal her phone because he's behind her and he did it for her. But um, anyway, I, I tried, to, this person texted to say it was easy, great. I wanted to, to say the thank you emoji, okay? But instead, because I'm so bad at texting, um, I, <laughs> I accidentally set, sent the thumbs down emoji. <laughs> oh no, I was like, I mean, I, I know this person well. Um, but I just want to be clear, there's no thumbs down for anybody's pledge. There's, Kevin will not thumbs down you, there's no amount that's the thumbs down. We are just thumbs up all the way, right Kevin? Let's just all do it together, thumbs up. Okay. The person was full of grace. Uh, thank you. But then I noted, India mentioned this during our Wonderbox, which was amazing. India, thank you very much for doing that. Um, but of course, there, if you look at it, if you, if you look at your phone, hold on, don't do it yet. And you go to your emoji section. Um, I see Janet Barnett. I know you're on your smartphone all the time, Janet. Um, Janet's one of our um, longest serving members here. And there's a frequent usage, like frequent emojis, right, that you use all the time. We all know that? Okay. And I wondered, I started to wonder, like, what it says about a person. What does it say about you, about the ones that are the most frequent? That's an interesting question, isn't it? And, I, and then I started to wonder, like, what does it say about me and my state of mind? Um, so... I thought I'd share with you. So here are mine. I know before, Indy, before you do it, um, I wanted us to note, this is, uh, and this is like, this is the eighth principle work for me, sort of in practice, just a little way. The skin color of emojis didn't get changed, meaning it didn't get offered more skin colors until people of color started saying, hold on a second, like what about me? Like I'm not yellow skinned, I'm not white skinned, as you'll see the ones that I use. Like what about me? Right? So just, to, just wanted to note that. So, India, first one. <laughs> All right, so for those of you who don't know, I'm a huge cyclist. It's what I do. And what, it's, it's, it's just, you know, and they have so many of them. Um, this is for obvious reasons that I have this one. Okay, second slide. <laughs> this, is what I, this is why I did what I did. Now, I, I don't use this because I'm discouraging your pledges with such frequency. Um, I use it because our son Emerson is always sending us political headlines that make me just enraged. And there's not like a uh, emoji. I mean, there is, but you can't like thumb it on the, on the, on the, like, anyway. You know what I'm talking about. You, this is why I just always thumbs down that stuff. Like, stop sending it to me. Um, okay, next one. I use this all the time. <laughs> I mean, why do I use this? Because life, 
because before you came, we couldn't get the screen working, because the air circulation system wasn't on when I came, because everything, everything that's annoying and wearying and exhausting, it's like a spiritual shrug, this, this emoji, just like, oh my God, seriously, that kind of thing. Um, so this is very common for me. India, fourth slide. Yeah. I always use this to express appreciation. But I really loved it even more when I heard this quote from the German theologian Karl Barth, who was not known for emojis, but I want to tell you what he said, what he said about hands clasped in prayer. And I want you to do that with me. I know some of you are knitting. I see Maria knitting. Um, and it's great. It's great. Um, to hold your hands in prayer, which we don't often do. Like it's, um, but let me tell you this quote. To clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. To clasp the hands in prayer and to go up is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. Isn't that beautiful? I'm thinking like we ought to all use that emoji now. It's a expression of resistance. I love that. It's not a please, like, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. It's like, I resist. I resist. I, up, I rise up against the things I don't know, against the uncertainties. Okay. Last slide. <laughs> I, this is my most used emoji. And I was like, you know, what, what does that say? Like, it's funny, but then I'm like, what is that about? I think this captures sort of my, um, especially the last couple of years, my whole disposition, everybody. This, like, worry in the midst of ambiguity. This, you know, like, just clenching. You know, Indy talked about what we, happens in our bodies. Like, you know, and they say, like, grinding teeth is what we do asleep when we're anxious, when we're worried, when there's ambiguity. Worried about if Trump is going to run again. I'm just, you know, the next COVID variant. Um, what's going to happen next year when Karen and I are empty nesters and how that's going to feel? Where is Ella going to go to college? How can we afford it? I mean, just all of, and you guys have all of this stuff in your life that gives you this feeling. Are you with me? And here's the point. I have many points, but here's one of them. I've got this scripture of uncertainty going on inside of me. It's a gospel of uncertainty. This Bible of unanswered questions going on inside of me. And never mind all the poetry in the world, like the gritted teeth emoji tells the truth going on in my heart so much of the time. My colleague in ministry, Donna uh, Shaper, who's a UCC minister, and she writes and she preaches the way that I want to when I grow up. Do you have somebody like that in your life? You want, I want to be like them when I grow up. She talks about the reading that Susan read so beautifully for us um, by Rainier, by Rilke, 
And she says, he became famous by begging us to love the questions. He even admonishes us to love the questions. And she says, if it were easy to love questions, we would not need admonishing. And then I want you to listen to, to, and tell me if this rings true for you. She says, I get uptight if I don't know my partner's plans for the evening or whether the budget's going to pass the congregational meeting. I don't love questions. I hate questions, she says. And then she says, one way to love questions is to give more permission to uncertainty. You might even, she says, become open and affirming and welcome the questions. And then she says, could I date questions instead of having to marry them? Could I maybe just sort of open the door to questions on my way to trying to love them? She says, I don't know how to be glad at the arrival of conflict that the questions bring. Whatever conflict, large or small, comes along, she says, we, and I want us to listen here, whenever conflict comes along, conflict of questions, we are about to learn something. This is where you get that phrase, another bleep growth opportunity. We're about to learn something. We learn nothing, she says, when the seas are calm, except how to float. But when seas are churning, we pay attention. One way to love questions is to give more permission to uncertainty. So Reverend Donna is saying that there is a gospel. There is a gospel according to uncertainty. The word gospel is Latin. It means good news. That's what it means. Is there good news in all the stuff that we're feeling? I don't know. But I do think there are some lessons. That I do believe. So many of you know that you know, back in December, I talked about this just a little bit to let us know, that our, we had, our family had a bout of uncertainty with our son. It was really Christmas time. He, out of the blue, he had a seizure on Christmas Day. Christmas, like it's five o'clock. And I've been remembering the preaching advice I've been given um, to preach from scars and not wounds. So I have not shared so much about this, you know, situation and what I've learned from it. Because, you know, like Mark said, I think I would just cry. And then one of you would have to come up and sort of, you know, just sit with me and that'd be okay. But I am your minister, right? Like, I, I need me and you need me to help us Respond to the uncertainties in life. I take that work immensely seriously. Which is why when I saw this theme, I was like, I don't want to do that work. I don't want to do that work. But then I felt called to do the work. So... 
there was so much uncertainty in that, you know, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. We had, they were like checking every, like one scary diagnosis from one after the other, one after the other, you know. It left me raw and roughed up. I was just trying to survive. And survival ain't nothing. Survival is not nothing. What is the, what's the saying? You can't do everything, but you can do something. And sometimes what you can do is survive. And what survival looked like was comforting our child even when, and even when you yourself, you don't know how to comfort yourself. All of us have had moments like this. You try to comfort a child, a parent, a friend, a partner, and you don't feel anything like any capacity to love and to care. And it's a marvel. It is a miracle. It is gospel good news that somehow we were able to do that still when we are most vulnerable. But the moment that I have been thinking about most as I was thinking about this sermon or I don't even just know, this feeling, this growth that I wanted to, to share with us was, was the time, so that night, the, the you know, the hospital... Uh, the ambulance folks took him to the hospital, and because it was COVID, like it was Omicron, we couldn't go to the hospital. We had to wait in the house. They wouldn't let anybody else in. And so we're waiting there. Like, literally, the food is in the oven. The table is set for the dinner that never happened. And we're just, like, waiting. It's this terrible waiting, 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 this advent of waiting. Not for the arrival of Christmas, the Christmas holy, but like to some kind of answer to the questions that we had, which was, is like, what happened? Like, is it going to be okay? What caused this? And we were there all alone in the house, the three of us, and, and our dog, who is a great comfort. I mean, let's not minimize the things that give us comfort. Waiting for him to, for Emerson to FaceTime us if the Wi-Fi signal was strong enough. And then to hear from Rilke that I'm supposed to love the questions, live into the questions. I mean, you have to search deeper into the emojis, but there is an emoji for that feeling that I wanted to give. Are you with me? Because there's nothing but pain and fear. But beneath the pain and fear is what Reverend Donna describes what I was searching for was like this. She describes it as this hidden grail that flows beneath the center of things, which is just poetry for we wanted like a foundation beneath us to hold us in the midst of our worry, to feel upheld, you guys, to keep us rooted in our ability to give comfort when we needed the comfort. That's what we wanted. And what I'm here to tell you, to testify to you, is that it was there. So the feeling that you have now, or you've had, 
this longing for answers, this, this, this gritted teeth emoji spiritual disposition you've had and the longing for stability, what I'm here to testify to you is that it is there. And here's how it looked. You know, my, my in-laws called from England you know, ready to like to sing, you know, sing songs or whatever. And then we told them what was going on. And then we just put them on the iPad next to the couch. And they were just there. Didn't say anything. Just there. Pulled out our meditation apps. There are some amazing ones. I'm telling you. That gives us the foundation just to be in our bodies and to breathe. There is an app for that. And then one of you from church happened to text Happy Christmas. And because you have medical background, you called us. And you just, just like, listen to me ask questions, Allison. I mean, it is there. And what I want to tell us is that it extends out to your experiences, this thing that we're like learning, which is that in our desperation, that we are not alone. Things have been, it is springtime and it is beautiful, but things have been so hard for so long politically, internationally, environmentally, public health-wise. I mean, I keep saying, like, is this for real going on right now? Like, what is going on? Am I, like, imagining things? We are searching for leaders under every rock. We are searching in our cores because we have so much uncertainty, we have so much ambiguity, there is so much disturbance, and when we're disturbed, we are driven deep, you guys. We are driven deep into ourselves. We are seeking, as Donna said, that grail that flows at the center of things. And here is the gospel. The seeking is what leads us to the help that we need. For me, it leads to God. It leads us to one another. It leads us to practices like meditation to keep us calm. And all of that helps us sit and not flee from the questions for which we have no answers. I am grateful to tell you that Emerson is well that looks like everything was because he didn't drink enough water. Uh, public health message, hydrate. <laughs> but I also know, I've been, in, I've been here with you in ministry for almost 20 years. I know that our fears are not always unrealized. I mean... To say anything different would be to deny the reality of your experience and my experience. 
And because the question of why, why do terrible things happen, is a question for which there is no answer for, which is why when somebody says it's God's plan, I have a lot of emojis for that. There are no answers for me about why things, bad things happen, but what I do know in the midst of that, in the midst of our seeking, we, go, we can go to our core. Yeah? We can go to our depths. And what I want to tell us is that love is there and help is there and strength that you don't have to have is there. This is what I believe. This is what I'm learning here at 50, 20 years in ministry. And I wanted, it, I wanted to share it with you. Amen? Amen. Amen.